want to share with you guys this morning as we talk about all things new and we continue this series and, and move forward in this, um, I get to talk with you guys about relationships and how important the relationships that we have around us are, but also how important the relationship that we have with uh, our Savior is. And so as I was thinking about this, you know, growing up, um, as you mentioned, I had a, a birthday, wow, just a week and a half ago, so it seems like forever, um, that I turned 50. And it was kind of like one of those milestones, like 50 sounds so old. Um, but I turned 50, and, and, uh, but I was thinking back about the whole idea of relationships and, and growing up watching some different TV shows, and we had Cheers, right? And that's where the song was, where everybody knows your name. And then we had Friends, and that key song was, I'll Be There For You. you know, so we had these things that, um, that were based on the relationships and how important relationships are to us and how, how they, they hold us together. And then uh, I have my cell phone here, and um, I'm going to hurry and put it down because I, I don't want Ira to get me back for texting him during his sermon last time. But, uh, and I had teens texting me last time too, so I face it down. So. Um, but you know, we have this, this device here where we can communicate with people all the time, and we can talk to people all the time, and we can send texts, and we can, um, we can actually see what's going on in their life. We can follow them, whether it, we're following their, their tweeter, their tweeter, their tweet, when they tweet out their tweeter account, you know I don't follow that, um, or their Instagram, or their, their Facebook page, and we can see what's happening in their life, what's going on with their family life, what food they ate, I mean, all the different things. Um, and we can follow along with that, but yet there's still not that relationship there. And, and it's easy to, you know, we can send them a happy birthday because our phone told us that it's their birthday today. You know, I've actually had a kid that put a fake birthday on there, and I said, happy birthday. And he's like, it's not my birthday. And I'm like, I wouldn't know. You know, my phone told me it was your birthday. And we kind of lose that idea of, of what it is. And then we can just do an HB and be good with it. You know, we send them a happy birthday, and, and we don't have to communicate to them, don't have to call them, don't have to talk to them. And so these things can happen with our with our devices that we have. And, you know, we have the ability to talk to people anytime, any place. But if you're like me, you prefer to send a text. You know, it's just quick and easy. Um, we're, you know, even we're taught at a young age. I remember being taught in my own home at a young age how to answer the phone, how to talk on the phone, you know, how to communicate that way. And I think I have to teach my kids every time the phone rings what to say on the phone. They're just not used to that. They're like, what do I say? I'm like, oh my goodness, they're just, you know, you don't have a phone line anymore. It's all cell phones and texting and all this kind of stuff. Um, but we, we panic without our phones. We start to, to, to get into this mindset of I have to have it around me all the time and, and having this, this thing with me. And, and yet we use our devices for so many things. I put down, we, we use our devices on car trips. We use our devices as babysitters, as Bible studies. And we're losing the art of communication and the art of relationships. Um, you know, you, you can even look around as next time you're at a, re, a restaurant or at a stoplight or go out to our cafe and you see people that are just glued to their phones. You know, you see a, a group of teenagers and not one of them are talking to each other. They're all uh, hopefully not texting each other because they're all with each other, right? They're on their phones. And, and so this idea of relationships and getting back to that, um, even, I even put down here, less people are going to church because they can just watch or listen to a podcast instead. And I'm not blaming devices because we're the ones in control of those devices. We need to evaluate our relationships or lack thereof. We need each other. There was a TV show that came out, and it's in its fourth series, and it was called The Last Man on Earth. And it lasted one episode of him being the last man on earth. The very first episode was him trying to find other people. And then the show continued on with him in relationship with all these other people because no one wants to watch a show with just that one guy on there. 
you know. So it's about relationships, about working with that. And so the opening of the Bible is uh, in Genesis starts off with God developing relationships. Not only as he creates Adam and Eve to have a relationship with them, but he goes on, he creates all these things, and he thinks it's so awesome, but there's one thing that God was unsatisfied with, one thing that just bugged him. It just wasn't quite right. And in Genesis 2.18, this is, this is where God tells us what he saw was incomplete. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So from the start, God valued and emphasized relationships. And if you think about it, all of us have relationships of some kind. You know, we're either a mom, a dad, a grandpa, grandma. We have coworkers. We're a boss. We have people that we run into all the time. We might be a coach. We're all in these relationships all over us, all around us. But how do we, how do we kind of figure out these relationships? How do, and then we're going to talk about that this morning, and I'm going to challenge you this morning with that. Relationships, like all things, can be good or bad, helpful or hurtful, and can even sometimes be an idol that we worship. But God has called us to be intentional about our relationships, and it's that truth we're going to explore this morning. So we're going to jump into the first verse that we have, and I have most of the verses on the screen, but this one I didn't put on here, and we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 22. And being a young kid that my parents uh, got saved when I was very young, so I grew up in the church and then went away to college where we had chapel every day. And I was used to, to hearing speakers, and, and one of the common threads, it was always something that was always said at a lot of the services, and I remember my pastor saying this, is when he would say, okay, turn to this, this book, and we're going to open this up to, to study this morning, he would always say, I love the sound of turning pages. And we've kind of lost that, haven't we? You know, because we're so used to either it being on the screen or pull out our phone real quick, and, and we don't even know where our Bible is a lot of times. But we're going we're gonna to read in Matthew chapter 22. And I'm going to challenge you guys with this first part of this. And this was Jesus being tested by one of the Pharisees, an expert in the law. And he challenges Jesus, and this kind of gives us our whole focus about why relationships are important. And not just coming from me, but this is coming from Jesus Christ himself. And uh, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. So even back then, lawyers weren't that great, right? (laughs) And he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands... Commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so we're going to hit on that this morning. We're going to talk about those two commands that Jesus said are the most important commands that he is, he's laying out for us. And the first one is your relationship with God has to be first. Your relationship with God has to be first. And I use the example of the cross. We have, we have a cross hanging over here, and we look at the cross, and it's so important to us as Christians to uh, emphasize the cross because that's where our Savior died for our sins. And so we're going to talk about two aspects of that cross, and that's the vertical and the horizontal. And the first part of that cross is the vertical relationship is between you and your Savior, you and Jesus Christ, you and God. And that's the same thing that Jesus answered that that Pharisee with, was your relationship with God has to be foremost, has to be most important. There's a quote from a book I've read that Mark Batterson wrote, and he, he made this statement, we all want to spend eternity with God, 
We just don't want to spend time with them. Tell me if this also hits close to home. We Facebook more than we seek his face. We text more than we study the text. And our eyes aren't fixed on Jesus. They're fixed on our phones, our devices. Then we wonder why God feels so distant. We want joy without sacrifice. We want character without suffering. We want success without failure. We want gain without pain. We want testimony without the test. We want it all without going all out for it. So God has created each one of us to be in this relationship with him and from which everything else flows from that relationship. When this relationship is not central, our other relationships suffer and so will our faith. You know, it's not enough just to come to church and sit in a church service on a Sunday. You know, we don't get credit for an audit. If you've ever taken a a college class, you don't get credit for an audit. You still get to sit in and enjoy the class and be a part of the class, but you don't get a credit for it. And church is the same way. Church can be a form of spiritual codependency. We let someone else worship for us. We let someone else study for us. And we let someone else pray for us. And an example I found in, in the Bible on this is if you go back to the Old Testament and we look at Moses. And Moses had set up this tent of meetings that he would meet with God in. And as, he would, as the cloud would come down upon this tent of meetings, Moses would go inside and, and, and God would communicate to him. God, he'd spend that time with God. And as that cloud would come down, all the other Israelites would see that cloud come down upon the tent, know that Moses went in there and that he was going to hear from God. And so they would go stand at their tents and stand there waiting to hear what God had to say to Moses. And I think that's awesome. But what I really love about that is there was a young man who Moses was bringing up who was soon to be the next leader of the Israelites. And you know what Joshua would do? Joshua was that young man. And Joshua wouldn't just sit at the opening of the tent waiting to hear what God was speaking to Moses. It said that he would wait inside the tent to experience God himself. And how challenging is that? Because we, we sometimes just want to hear what everybody else has to say about God instead of finding out what God is speaking to us himself. What is God directly speaking to us? I once heard it put simply this way. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. A.W. Tozer wrote, Eternity will not be long enough to learn all he is or to praise him for all that he's done. And so there's multiple stories in the Bible that show us what happens when we don't make our relationship with God our focus. And these were some great men and they did some great things, but yet when they lost focus on who God was, when that vertical relationship started to be severed or, or distant, things were happening in their life. And the first one is, is a great man called David. And we know the story of David because he killed Goliath. But we also know David had some faults. And we know that David was later called a man after God's own heart. But in 2 Samuel, David found himself in opposition to God's plan. There was guilt, there was punishment, there was deceit, there was murder. David ended up finding himself scrambling to cover up his sin. In doing so, he found himself murdering a friend and a loyal soldier. Losing a child and later suffering the rebellion of his own child, Absalom. Because he started to sever that, that, that vertical relationship that he had with God. Solomon, a son of David, a wise and powerful and wealthy man. The Bible records in 1 Kings 11.4, it says, As Solomon grew old... His wives turned his heart after God, after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. 
as the heart of David, his father, had been. And he, he, as you read through this, this, this happens just a few chapters, a few, few chapters after he had just dedicated this temple that he had built, this glorious temple. And he even said himself, as he builds this, this temple out of gold, and there's no structure that's ever been built like it. And he builds this temple, and he says, you know, even this gorgeous, this incredible temple that we built cannot even contain this God that even the heavens can't contain. And yet, he started putting other gods inside of there. And then in Revelations 2, verses 2 through 4, Jesus addresses the church at Ephesus. And he says this, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and have endured the hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. So where is your relationship with Jesus Christ right now? No matter what other relationships you find yourself in, your relationship with God has to be first and foremost. In Ephesians 5, 21 through 28, we're given instructions on how husbands and wives need to, to, to relate to one another in a healthy marriage. But it starts off with something that is so important in verse 21 that says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's that relationship that comes first that builds around those other relationships around us. And so I threw a question out that said, would you recognize him if you saw him? Talking about Jesus Christ, would you recognize him if you saw him? And there was a theologian, Karl Barth. And Karl Barth in Switzerland um, was very well known, and, and he was getting on um, the trolley to, to head somewhere. And so he got on, on there, and he sat down next to a guy that he could tell was a tourist. And so he thought he'd ask him a few questions. And so he asked him, he says, what are you so excited to see in Switzerland? And, and the guy was like, man, I want to meet the great theologian, Karl Barth. And the guy, and the, and the tourist goes, do you know him? And so Karl Barth is sitting there and he goes, yeah, I know him. He goes, I shave his face every morning. <laughs> and the guy was so excited and he, when he got off the trolley car, he went up to his friends and he goes, man, guess who I just met? And they're like, who? And he goes, I met Karl Barth's barber. <laughs> Missing the whole point of, of the idea of, of not knowing him and yet that was who we wanted to meet. And do we really know the voice of our Savior? Do we really know who Jesus Christ is in our life? Would you know him if you saw him? God must be more important than your friendships. Galatians 1.10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. When it comes down to the very end, it's going to be between you and God, not you and them. God must be more important than even your family. When Jesus was asked about following him in Luke 9.62, he replied with these powerful words. Still another, he said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And so I was trying to pull this in, and I shared this story with my young people this last Wednesday and challenged them with the story of Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a missionary. And Jim Elliot had this quote that he wrote down, and it was kind of the, the, the quote for, for who he was. And the quote was, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And if you've ever, a movie came out a few years back called The Edge of the Spear. 
And it tells the story of Jim Elliott as a missionary and how he was trying to share Christ with a, a group of Aka Indians in, in South America that had never heard the name Jesus Christ. And so they were trying to build relationships with them and they were sending supplies down and they were trying to communicate with them the best they could because there was a, a language barrier. So they were just trying to show them uh, something different. And uh, they, they decided to have a meeting with them and they landed their plane down on the beach. And Jim Elliott got out to go and greet one of the warriors there. And the warrior put a spear through his heart and killed him right on the spot. And all the, all the missionaries that were with him were killed at that time. And the story could end there, but we go back to, the, to his quote that said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And it was incredible to hear that his wife is the one that went back and shared Christ with that warrior. His wife is the one that went back and instead of having a hateful mental attitude towards this man, showed him the love of Christ. And it was later on that this man actually became kind of like a father figure to her own son, the man that had killed her husband. So there is no relationship on this earth that should take precedence over our relationship with God. It has to be the most important thing. That vertical relationship has to be lined up. So your relationship with others also needs to be intentional. So we have the vertical relationship. Now we have this horizontal relationship. And the horizontal relationship has to be intentional, has to be with, a, with something in mind towards it. Since relationships are so central to who we are, it's crucial that we approach relationships with a godly and strategic perspective. First, our central relationship with others should be godly ones. You say that again. First, our central relationships with others should be godly ones. The Bible makes it clear that we should draw our strength and influence from other like-minded believers. This is found most beautifully and completely inside of the church. Adam Potke says it this way, we live joyous lives because we seek pleasure, which is basically individual and solo, and not joy, which is by nature shared. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47 puts it this way, and this is, this is the, when the church was starting to take off, and, and this is us learning about it in, in Acts, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. It's talking about those horizontal relationships that were based on that vertical relationship. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the central relationships we have should be encouraging us, growing us, challenging us, and equipping us to draw closer to Christ. You know, and I look at this, and we, we had a missions meeting at our house on Friday. We're taking a bunch of teenagers and, and some adults on a missions trip this summer. And we're going to L.A. to work with the Dream Center there. And uh, as we're meeting with these kids and challenging these kids, we had to go through and talk about our highlight of the week. And, and everybody was mentioning something. And for me, my highlight of the week was Wednesday night when I got to hang out with those teenagers. And I got to share with those teenagers. And I love, and that's part of why I've been in youth ministry for 30 years, is I love working with teens. But that's not the whole of who I am. 
And as I shared with the earlier service, you know, the, the things that I also look forward to in a week is I love when our life group meets. And I love when people come into my home and, and, and getting them to come in and we have a meal together and we hang out and we talk together. Um, this last time we gathered in my bedroom and watched football, you know, because uh, the kids are all downstairs. But, you know, and then we, we sit down and we open up the Word of God and we're challenging one another. And then we pray for one another and we know what's going on in each other's lives and we, we can challenge one another and all those things. And then I also look forward to Friday mornings because every Friday morning I get to go to Beans and Brew and have coffee and I love coffee. But more than I love coffee is I get to meet with some men that I, that I love being together with. And we get to challenge each other and we talk about everything there is to talk about. And then we open up the Word of God and we read the Word of God together and we pray for one another. You know, so those are relationships. Those are part of the horizontal relationship that is geared and built around this vertical relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And those are so important and they need to be a part of our lives. Are your central relationships drawing you closer to Christ or keeping you from pursuing Him wholly? Within these Christian relationships, I believe that you should, ha- you should be intentional about making sure you have relationships, and this is important, with people who are ahead of you on the spiritual journey, people who are with you on the journey, and people you are leading on the spiritual journey. And I'm going to break this down for you right now. The first part I, I talked about there is you need people who are ahead of you. Why? Because they can help you navigate through tough circumstances. They can help you when you're tempted. They can teach you proper interpretations of Scripture and can show you what Christian life looks like. They can be your example. And this might be a leader. It might be a pastor. It might be a parent. It might be a coach. It might be a a youth leader like the awesome youth leaders we have here at this church. Or it might be a close friend. But someone who is leading you, someone who, who, who you can go to in those circumstances. An example of that is Timothy had Paul in his life. And Paul spoke into Timothy's life. And so my question for you is, who is your Paul? Who is your Paul in your life? And then we go on. It says, you need people who are with you because they can encourage you when you fall. They can challenge you to stay holy They can study scripture with you as you both grow. They can partner with you in serving the Lord and pray with you as a trusted friend. For Paul, this was Silas. Who is your Silas? Who is your Silas? Who are you walking through? And and a lot of times, for many of us that are married, it's our spouse. But, But... as much as I love my spouse and she challenges me in so many different ways in my walk with God, I also have people in my life, other men in my life that are doing the same thing, that are walking this walk with me and, and, and going right alongside of me in these situations. So who is your Silas? And then the last one is you need people to mentor because they can keep you focused. They can encourage you to continue learning because you have to teach them. They can help you articulate what you believe and why you believe it and give you a sense of purpose. And, and, and I challenge my, my youth leaders with this all the time, that it's not just about me being the youth pastor, but every youth service or almost every youth service, we have a time where after I've shared with them that we break off into small groups. And our, I let our youth leaders mentor into these kids' lives and speak into these kids' lives. There's reasons that we give you guys opportunities to teach 
on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night to our young people because you're opening up the Word of God and coming up with a lesson plan that you have to share with these kids. You have to share Christ with them. And anytime I get to share the Word of God and every sermon I prepare on a Wednesday night, it's like God is speaking to me before I ever get the chance to go and speak it to these kids and challenges me. I was putting together my sermon and I had like five or six different outlines because God was just like pouring. There's so much about relationships in the Word of God. And yet having to break it down, and yet I was growing so much, and yet I then get to a, get a impart that upon you guys and, and challenge you guys. And I do that same thing with my youth. But I put down here is they can be your legacy. And this is probably or could be a new believer or a younger believer or a friend. And it's crazy because, as I mentioned, I turned 50 on January 10th, and um, it was a Wednesday night, and so I was just moving along like a normal Wednesday night service. I told my leaders what the game plan was. We had worship planned. I had my sermon. I wrote out a sermon I was going to share with them. And the, the title of my sermon that night was the term legacy. And I was challenging our kids about what their signature was and what their legacy was or what they're going to leave behind, what they're going to be known for, not knowing that my wife, my incredible wife, had planned a surprise party for me at the same time. And it doesn't take much to get things over my head and I don't see things or whatever. And... Uh, and it was more than that, um, a bunch of the youth helped her with this, and Angela put together an incredible video. And, um, but it, as I was speaking on this on Legacy, and I was waiting for the ser- service to go, and like, come on, we've got to get worship going. And all of a sudden, they started singing Happy Birthday, and I turned to look because there was a cake coming down the aisle, and, uh, and it was my brother that was carrying the cake. And my brother lives in Chicago, so he had flown in. I had no idea that he was going to be here, and his, his son was with him, my nephew. And so that in itself was like, that is pretty cool. But as I turned around... Um, that's not what impacted me was seeing my brother. What impacted me even more was seeing a, a room full of young people that I had youth pastored um, many, many years ago, many years back, and, and seeing them coming to the surprise birthday party. Many of them hadn't been in my youth group for over 20 years, and seeing them there with their own kids and their own families, and, and that kind of support, and I cried in the first service, and now I'm going to cry again. Um, but, but leaving that legacy... And Angela put together a great video that we were able to watch, and she had to cut it down, um, and she gave me the full version of the video, and I went home later and watched it, and it was an hour and a half long. And in that video was not only friends that I went to college with sharing, but it was youth when I was a leader in Minnesota, and, and the effect I had on their life there, and it was youth here that now live all over the nation and all over the world sharing those things. And it wasn't to point the picture at me, but it was that whole idea of here I was going to speak on legacy, and God was showing them in a more powerful way than the words that I had to share. And so what kind of legacy are you leaving behind? And, and part of our legacy is our family. You know, and, and we're challenged to not only live this vertical life with Jesus Christ so we can be an influence on our family, but God calls us to more than just our family. And those relationships, what are you passing down to others? Are other people going to be influenced by your life? And how are they going to be influenced by your life? What kind of legacy are you leaving behind? For Paul, this was Timothy. Who is your Timothy? Who are you reaching out to? You know, and I, I looked at my own life, and for me growing up, I had a, a great youth pastor. And uh, my parents who are here this morning um, still attend his church. His church is in North Salt Lake. It was Alex Lucero. And um, I still get to see Alex Lucero every once in a while. But he was someone that, that as a teenager really looked into my life and spoke into my life and was an influence on me, was that kind of that person I looked up to. And then later on um, was Eric Van Rie. 
as I came here to the adventure and someone that took me underneath their wing and, and really led me and, and challenged me in so many different areas of my life and worked in that. Um, but there was also people uh, in different situations that were a part of that. I had a, a gentleman that I looked up to as a young man. Um, and ironically, as I, I moved from Louisiana up to Minnesota to go to school up there, his family had already moved up there. And it was a, a guy named Brian Stanton who, um, who was also someone that, that spoke into my life as just a, a man that followed after God and tried to do what God was asking him to do. But I also look at a, a guy named Dennis Dix, who was really someone that taught me what youth ministry looks like and challenged me in, in the little things in my walk um, to make me a better youth leader and make me a better youth pastor. And then I look at some of the friends that I had growing up that still are following after God and still going hard after him, the, the Sylvies and the Stevies and the Ricks and these people that, that put God as a priority. They're people that were strengthening me and building me in the, my teenage years to continue in my relationship with God and how valuable they were in that. And a lot of my college friends, and as I mentioned, some of them were on the video talking about the relationships that we had in college and, and how they too were a part of that, of, of that walking with me. And then those people that, that were, have been challenged through my ministry and through um, me teaching them and, and mentoring them and building on that legacy. So do you have people in each of these areas? Do you have people ahead of you, leading you? Do you have people who are with you? As scripture says, iron sharpens iron. And who are you leading? Who are you leading? So within your Christian relationship, God calls us to be strategic, intentional, and to make the most of the people God has placed in our lives. And I found this statement kind of, kind of profound. It says, church is a noun, but shouldn't it be a verb? So we have this vertical relationship with Christ, and we have this horizontal relationship that, that should be built around people who are like-minded and the, the third point I have is your, your unhealthy relationships need to be dispensable. Your unhealthy relationships need to be dispensable. God has made it clear that our most central relationships are to be centered around our mutual love for Him. Christian relationships should be the main influence in our lives. I tell my young people this all the time, that your friends are like elevators on a, buttons on an elevator. They either take you up or they take you down. And if we had to evaluate some of the relationships that we have in our life, are those influences in those relationships taking us up or are they taking us down? 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And unfortunately, this may mean making tough decisions about the people we spend most of our time with on a regular basis and the way that we are influenced by others. And it's a challenge I throw out to the youth, but I, when we, we used to have our young adults meeting in our house, it's a challenge I threw out to them. This should apply to your dating relationships also. And, and, and I say this is, is dating people outside the faith, and, and I've had people say, well, I'm missionary dating. I'm going to bring them to Christ, and I haven't seen that work. And maybe you might be the, the different story and say, you know what, that did work for us, but I haven't seen it work. Again, you know, people are going to either bring you closer to Christ or pull you away from him. 
And I challenge our young people because they, 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 they want to be in a relationship so bad. And I say, you know what? God has a plan for you. God has the right person planned for you. But again, if, God, if this vertical relationship is lined up and our relationship with him is so important, then these also these horizontal relationships are the same way. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So these principles should also apply to your friendships. The people you choose to spend time with will influence you. They will shape the person you are for good or for bad. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Choose your friends wisely. Are there friends you need to sever ties with? Maybe spend less time with? And I'm not discounting the fact that we're called to win the lost, which means developing relationships with people who don't know Christ. You know, that is so important, and we have to have those people around us so we can be a light to the world. But we can't have those people being the greatest influence upon our lives. We have to be influencing them. We have to be strong enough that we are sharing Christ with them and they're not bringing us down. But this makes our other influences so crucial. You need to have strong Christian influences around you to encourage you, to challenge you, and to grow you in Christ so you can be around those who don't know him. If you have to choose between your relationships with God and a friend, the choice has to be God. If it's between your relationship with God and a boyfriend or girlfriend, it has to be God. Because when it comes down to it, the only person you're going to answer to is going to be between you and God, not you and them. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 tells us that we shouldn't hold on to earthly things because these earthly things still away our heavenly treasures. And, and my youth could probably share this part with you because I share this all the time with them and it's one of my signature things that I, I talk to them about. But Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says this, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the part that I emphasize to them is, is how do we find out what our treasure is? How do you find out what the treasure of your life is? And I says it breaks down to three T's. Three T's to find your treasure. And these, these T's are these right here. Is what do you talk about the most? What do you talk about the most? The second T is what do you think about the most? So what do you talk about the most? What do you think about the most? And the last one is what do you spend most of your time on? You found your treasure. And this is a hard one because I struggle with this one all the time. I find myself doing things that are just a waste of time when I could be doing something that so has so much more potential to it. I also find myself where my mind is wandering and thinking on things I know I shouldn't, and I have to say, God, help me in those areas because I don't want them to be the thing that becomes my treasure. So what do you talk about the most? What do you think about the most? And what do you spend most of your time on? And you will find your treasure. And so this morning I ask you, is God the Lord of your relationships? Or are you making your own decision in these areas? You know, and as, as a leader in this church and, and as God's call upon my life, my desire is no greater than to, to show you that vertical relationship and how important that is. 
And as God speaks to you and as you start to know his voice and you start to follow after him and, and learn more about him, that relationship grows so strong. And when you do that, you start to see these horizontal relationships start to change. And you start to see how important those horizontal relationships are in building you up and strengthening you and helping you walk through the tough times and helping you walk through the struggles. So have you made your vertical relationship with Christ your first priority? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? If you haven't, you can this morning. It's a simple decision of, God, I I just want this relationship with you to be first and foremost. I want you to be the God of my life. I want to recognize your voice. I just don't want to hear what someone else has to say about you. I want to hear you speak to me. And maybe you've accepted Jesus into your life, but you haven't made that relationship first in your life. Then this morning's for you to make him first. Or the last challenge I want to give you, and we're going to have a water baptism. And I, the cool thing about the water baptism, and I think it's a great example of what we're talking about. Because for someone to want to get water baptized is they first have to have this vertical relationship with Jesus Christ to even want to get in the tub, right? To even want to share what Christ is doing in their life, they have to have this vertical relationship. I've accepted Jesus Christ in my life. I want everybody to know it, so I'm going to get baptized. So they have that vertical relationship. And then they have this horizontal relationship because they have people that, leaders that have spoken Jesus Christ in their life, that have challenged them. They have people that come alongside of them. A lot of times when we have a baptism, people will come up that are serving Christ with them, that might be in their life group, that might have, you know, been the person that, that opened up the faith to them and, and shared Jesus Christ with them. But then they also invite people along. Hey, you got to come see me get baptized. Why? Because they want to show them what Jesus Christ is doing in their life. It's almost a way of of, of mentoring them and saying, this is what God did in my life. This is why this is so important to me. And so this morning, are you struggling with your horizontal relationship with others? So let me ask you these three questions. And as as I do that, Doug, if you want to start making your way up here, and I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to have our baptism. But first of all, who is my Paul in my own life? Who is helping and leading and guiding me? Who is my Paul? Everybody has to have someone that's leading and guiding them. None of us have ever reached the point that we can't be challenged and spoken into. The next one is, who is my Silas or Silas's? Who are those that are helping lead and guide me, that I turn to when I'm struggling, that I can speak to when I'm I'm going through a rough time, that can pray with me, that will cry with me, that will laugh with me? Who are my Silas's? And the last one is, who is my Timothy? Who am I leading? Who am I spending time with? Who am I pouring into? Who is my Timothy? So I'm going to close in prayer, and I'll turn it over to Doug after that. And I just want to challenge us this morning as we look at relationships, is know where your vertical relationship is and your horizontal relationships are going. So Father God, we give you this morning. God, I pray that you challenge our hearts. Every time we open your word, God, that you would challenge us. You would speak to us. And God, I pray that if there are people in this room that have never experienced that vertical relationship of knowing who you are, hearing your voice, God, accepting you into their life, that this morning they can do that. But God, I also pray for those that are working on their horizontal relationships, that they've let them kind of go off to where they shouldn't be. And the influences in their life aren't the people that they should have influencing them. God, bring us back to the people around us who can strengthen us, the people around us that can build us up that can lead us, that can, can walk through 
situations with us, God. So we give you this morning, Lord, and I also pray that you would challenge us to find people to raise up, find people that we can share with, God, that we can teach, that we can show what God is doing in our lives and challenge them. So, Lord, we give you this morning. Every time we open your word, God, we want to be challenged. We want to hear you in a fresh way. And so I pray, God, that that happened this morning. And now, Lord, we give this time of baptism, Lord, this celebration of the decisions being made, God. And we give it to you in your precious name. Amen. Amen.